Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Welcome to On Demand. Today, we talk about Gideon again, and we're going to talk about advantage. Here's a guy who has an advantage. He has won a great victory. His life has changed forever. He is now going to be wealthy. He's going to have opportunity, but he's going to literally watch his family fall apart. All because now he's got advantage and the world flips upside down. What happens when you get a little bit of money? What happens when you get a little opportunity? Well, you know, if you're not careful, your romantic life goes up, your morals go down, and you start losing your way. I want to show you how this guy allowed three things to get in his way, and you don't want to miss them. It's going to help you today. Keep your advantage and watch God bless your life. Stay there. I'll come back and pray with you at the end. Enjoy today's message. Today, I want to share a word with you that I am just really excited about. And let me tell you why. I like <laughs> the truth. I like the truth. And I, in this whole series I've been in, I've been striving to be honest with you. I've, I've laid out for you five things that dreamers must face if they really want to see their dreams come true. Five things. And we've been having, I think, some great conversation and especially in this season we're in. I mean, we're in this really interesting season with all the stuff that's going on, all the noise around us. And so I wanted, I wanted to press in a little bit and first talk about isolation, which I did. And how Gideon, in uh, the book of Judges, chapter 6, 7, and 8, described for us a life where he started out showing us how you manage isolation when your enemy is surrounding you and you're facing all kinds of challenges and how sometimes isolation is where you grow. It's where you learn. Secondly, we talked about fear. We talked about how difficult it is to manage fear and have a balanced view of fear and how you can get lost in fear. And then we talked about, thirdly, distractions. How you can become distracted and so distracted that you just can't see you're distracted. And one of the things that I said about distractions that I want to just say a little bit more about, I was really touched by, is how you can be distracted by your religious beliefs. You're so committed and you're so advanced. And I think last week I even quoted one of the verses out of place. <laughs> we put a little note up for you that said, okay, that was wrong. It's really Philippians 4. It was a verse that says, don't be anxious for anything. But it was a fun talk conversation. It was a fun talk. It was just great. I enjoyed it. But in the end, it, it really shows how you can be so distracted. Let me elaborate a little more. What I said to you last week was I said that you can be, become so distracted by your religion that you start quoting verses out of context. For example, be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, right? Be anxious for nothing, but all things by prayer. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be concerned about your life. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to the details. And so we talked about that, and we talked about how you can say, I walk by faith and not by sight. That means you don't pay attention to what you see, run into all kinds of problems, run into all kinds of stuff, because you don't pay attention. That verse doesn't mean that you don't pay attention at all. And so we had some great conversations, I think, this month. We talked a little bit about change. I'm going to come back to the change topic soon. Pay attention. Next week, you'll see as we talk about repositioning yourself and how you've got to reposition yourself if you want to have a different future in your life. You've got to reposition your mind, reposition your attitude. There's three things I'll talk about, but that's next week. But today, I want to talk to you about, about advantage. And so if you're taking the list, right, we talked about isolation, right? We talked about fear. We talked about the importance of not only balancing fear, but knowing how to manage distractions. And then we hit a little bit on change, which we'll come back to. Didn't talk a lot about it, but we'll come back to that one, I promise. And then number five, today we talk about ambition. In our story, we start with a guy who is incredibly ambitious. His name is Gideon. 
And you see this ambition in him because he's fighting against the Midianites who have come, would come in and steal the harvest of Israel. And he just was tired of it. So in chapter 7, he put an army together, 32,000 guys. And there's this whole process we talked about of how God showed him how to fight a new way. A new way, and that the old way he planned to fight was to get the soldiers, go in and fight. But when he got ready to go, God told him, you got too many people. You need to get rid of uh, the people. So go ask them, how many of you are fearful and don't want to go? And 22,000 left. He had 10,000 left. And then he got down to this river and, and the Lord said, I want you to have them all kneel down and watch how they drink. All those who drink with their head all the way down, buried like this, separate them on one side. All those who drink like this, he said, I want you to put them on the other side. Only 300 guys drank out of their hands like this, looking. The rest of them, the Lord said, send those guys home. With 300 soldiers, I'm going to give you victory. And he did. But he didn't use the same weapons. He didn't use the same tools. He didn't use the same things. The same things that they were normal, swords and spears. He says, no, I want you to get, get a picture, a picture, right? And I want you to get ready and smash it. <laughs> this is going to be a real good battle plan, right? And we're going to get some trumpets. And then when I tell you, you can all say the sword of the Lord and Gideon, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And when you say that, the enemy is going to run. Now, you can imagine that that plan would not sound like a good plan, but that's what God did and gave them victory. And so at the end of all of this, he ends up winning. He ends up conquering and 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 it's over. Now, let me tell you what's interesting. It's interesting that it's not just fighting. It's winning. Some of your greatest challenges will come after you win. You get the husband, you get the car, you get the job, you get the opportunity, you get the paycheck. Getting paid now. Oh, man. <laughs> paycheck. You got paid. So you feel pretty good about yourself. You know what I mean? You put your jacket on. God is good all the time. God is good. You know, you got your little slogans and, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Got you got your guy on your arm, got your girl on your arm, whatever you're rolling, feeling like somebody has been blessed. Right. And that's when crazy comes out. Normally. You know, you remember that little song they used to sing? You sure get funny when you get a little money. Uh-huh. You ever heard of that? <laughs> Somebody said, I never heard of that. I never heard that song. It's just, you just sing it. You know, when your friends get some money and they don't call you back now or they act snooty, you say, mm-hmm. People sure get funny when they get a little money. Uh-huh. You remember? <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway. So that, that's, that's kind of like the moment Gideon is in. And in our study, I want you to notice what happens to him in chapter 8, starting in verse 22. Because there are three things that you're going to notice that stand out. He's got money. He's going to fall into some religious pride. And then he's going to fall in with the women. Romance, pride, and you said it, my friend, power and wealth. Oh, man. Woo. Mm. Doesn't like it. You know, I, and I want, to, I want to say, I am. Um, I have a little bit of influence, you know, just a little bit. And a few thousand people listen to me a lot. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. And, and, I, and I, I make a decent salary and live in a pretty nice cabin. And what's interesting is when you get a little bit, you, you, you can check out. You can check out. You can start thinking things that you shouldn't think. And so I want you to listen to this statement. The tables are turned now. God has blessed Gideon. He's no longer the guy hiding in isolation, 
trying to thresh his wheat. He's beat down the Midianites. He's a man with a reputation. People walk through town. Gideon, hey, hey, what's up? Gideon, hey, there go Gideon. Oh, come Gideon. Yes, sir. Gideon delivered us from the Midianites. They used to come and steal my paycheck all the time, take all my harvest, all my, all my animals, everything. And then Gideon, the man, give me a high five. Hey. I know y'all ain't doing that right now, right? You ain't high-fiving nobody. <laughs> anyway, but pretend, high-five, Gideon. Gideon, the man with the plan. Give me a buck. There you go, Gideon. Bam, the man has freed me. Well, now, that's when everything changes. I want, I, want you, I want you to listen to this. This is Judges chapter 8, verse 22. And I'm going to show you when the wealth came. Now, I like this part because Gideon's going to show us something that was just important. It's the principle. And I want you to listen carefully. This is Gideon, Gideon's story now, chapter 8, verse 22. The Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you and your son and your grandson. Why? Because you saved us from the hand of Midian. Woo-hoo, wow. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request. Now, let me stop right there before I get to the request. I don't want the job. I don't want to be a king. Don't want to be a politician. I just helped you guys get free. I mean, this is like typical superhero stuff. No, gentlemen, let's just do my job for you. Finish now. I'm not ruling you. Son's not ruling you. God will rule you. Whew, you want to say, now that's a humble man right there, right? But what's interesting is, I love this next part because this is the part people skip over if you're not careful. He was a practical man. He understood something. And listen to what he said. I'm going to read it first, and then you just, just kind of dance with me for a minute. Listen to what he says. Verse 24 of Judges chapter 8. And he said, I do have one request, that each of you, if you're happy about what I've done, give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was a custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. And so they took those, those, those um, earrings and all that stuff they had even on, on the camel's neck. And, they, and they, he said, I want, you, I want you to give me something. Pay me. Now, I want to pause right there for a second. Do you know one of the greatest challenges in, in being a spiritual person, being a church person, being a godly person, trying to be a nonprofit caring person, a person who cares about the community. Some of you are really big on that. Yes, I want to deliver people. I want to save people. I want to help the poor because the poor need help. Yes, I want to go find people who are bound by Midianites and set them free. And you, you know, you, hey, you got that part down, but you broke. Let's pause and think about that. Somehow in your mind, your life mission is to help people and care nothing about your own prosperity, nothing about your life, nothing about your own advancement. Your kids need clothes and you're out giving other people's clothes, people clothing. I have no problem with you helping other people, but I just think your kids should have a pair of shoes too. I don't mind you helping other people, but what about your wife who got a dress that's a little bit too tight because she can't afford another one or it's all ripped up? And you don't look too good yourself. You're dressing like you're wearing your high school clothes. You still got your high school clothes. You, <laughs> those pants are high water. Yes, they are. 
That's just just the point. So you're really excited about the world. But you could never do what he just did. Ask them to be fair to him. They all had a lot of resources and it just took a little bit for them to bless him. And he had the courage to ask. And that's what some of us, you, us don't have the courage to do. We just allow people to just to abuse us. We just would have said, OK, y'all go ahead on home now. I risked my life for you, but um, I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm just going to go back here by myself. Uh, I was in the threshing floor, came out here, risked my life for you. He didn't do that. Gideon was mature enough to say, no, no, before you leave, before we end the meeting. I need y'all to help me out. I need, excuse my grandma, y'all, that's the southern word if you're not from the south. Y'all, we use that all the time. <laughs> if you care, I need you to do something. This is an example of something I saw in the book of Daniel, too. It's a great, I'm sorry, Nehemiah, where Nehemiah was asked to go build the wall, right? He had this passion to go build the wall. And so they, Nehemiah, you got to read it. I think it's in chapter one, chapter two of Nehemiah, where he's, he's going out and the king says to him, what do you want? And Nehemiah says, I want you to give me the, you know, some security to protect me. I want you to give me some money. I want you to give me some materials. I want you to give me some authority to go and build a wall. And oh, and by the way, when you give me the, the, the materials to build a wall, I need something to build me a house too. I need a house for my family to stay in. I need, I need a place. I don't just need to repair the wall. I need a place to live. Do you care about yourself? Are you so concerned about everybody else and zero about you? You know, I've learned people, people they, they'll celebrate with you. They want you to rule over them, help them do things, but they're not interested in helping you. And if you don't say anything, this will be your life. Now watch this. They answered him, we will be glad to give them, verse 25. Happy do it Gideon sometimes you have not because you ask not and I think it's fair for people that you serve to care about you especially when it's a whole bunch of them it's not like they couldn't do it because it was lots of them it's, I don't think it's fair when there the resources there and, and you can't help that you don't I, I see this a lot with pastors and churches I see this a lot in nonprofits. I see this a lot in places that can do better but you don't try to do better Listen to what he said, verse 25. Then they answered, we will be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for them came to 1700 shekels and counting on the ornaments, the pendants, the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian on the chains uh, that were on the camels necks. Even the, the Midian had the Midianites had some blinged out camels and they took the camel, the, the bling around the camel's neck and gave it, gave it <laughs> to Gideon. Now, I, I did a little sneaky research. Now, I, I, it's, just, it's the back of the envelope, not sure, but it was a fortune. What they gave him, imagine, imagine if thousands of people, if hundreds of people gave you some of the plunder from hundreds of, of camels and hundreds of, I mean, these guys had a, they had a bunch of stuff. They, they, he was wealthy after that. He was set for life. 
one offering, one kindness to say thank you. What's the lesson? The lesson is, if you work hard, it'll come. Especially if you, you speak up. So now he's got money, but watch what happens. He decides to make a decision in verse 27 that's interesting. He crosses a spiritual line. And this is going to get him in trouble. This is going to become part of his downfall. So he's got the money. Okay, he's okay so far. Ain't no signs of crazy yet. But then watch what he does. This is verse 27. Watch what he does with his money. Gideon made the gold into an ephod. Now, I called a friend of mine, ephod. You know, he's from Israel. I said, how do you say that, ephod? My friend was trying to help me with this pronunciation, and I wasn't doing too good. But here's the bottom line. This is priestly garment. This ephod was a priestly garment that they wore, and it was really, it's really a cool study. It's got a breastplate on the front, and, and people make all kinds of analogies to the breastplate of righteousness, and, but it had the 12 stones on it, 12 tribes of Israel. We're not teaching on all of that today, but here's, about, here's the bottom line. Gideon decides that he wants to make one of these, and so he does. He makes one, and watch what happens in Judges chapter uh, 8, verse 27. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it, it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. They start worshiping the thing. So he gets money, he gets wealth, right? And, he, and then all of a sudden, he creates this, he loves the priestly garment look. He's like, oh man, I, I just love that. That's, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to make me one of those. And the priestly garment was what the priest would wear when he was doing his special ceremonies in the temple. And it was nice. I mean, sharp, colorful, I mean, bling, bling, real nice. So he makes one, but the people start worshiping it. So now watch how his money is getting him in trouble. Now he's crossed over into religious pride. It's amazing. You start out with wealth. And if you're not careful and you don't manage it right, when you get the advantage, now the advantage turns against you because you abuse it by crossing into something. What he should have done was once he saw they were worshiping it, he should have he should have, he should have thrown it away. He had the power to go and say, give me that thing back. We're not worshiping that. The living God who brought us through, who delivered us from the Midianites. He didn't do that. But not only did he fall into that and let that go. He allowed it to continue. But watch what happens next. The ladies show up. <laughs> he starts, man, I'm going to find me some love now. I have been battling. I've been in the battlefield. I need a woman. And he starts hunting love. It's amazing how God puts you in these great positions, gives you great opportunity. And now you're going to make all kind of amazing romantic decisions that exclude God and that ignore his principles. Amazing. Watch what happens. Oh, boy. Chapter 8, verse 28. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again during Gideon's lifetime. The land had peace for 40 years. Great leadership. 40 years. And then it goes on. Jerubbabel, son of Joash, went back home to live. And he had, now this is, that's his name. And they call him Jerubbabel. Uh, because he slayed Baal, if you remember, in his early life. So still Gideon he's talking about. And, and so he's got that nickname, the guy who slayed Baal. That's who he was, Jerubbabel. Kills Baal. <laughs> they liked him. I mean, he was, he was well known, loved. The Bible said this. He had 70 sons. Now let's think about that. Now here's the first thing you, you want to notice. If a man has 70 children, he had to have more than one woman. 
Because there's no woman that's going to have 70 children. Seven zero. Watch this. For he had many wives. There you go. Ah, women show up. Wives. A lot of love, a lot of romance. Now, what's interesting is some of you ladies are saying, shame, shame on him. But you got a lot of men. Okay, let's just switch it. For a lot of you, you just don't say it out loud. But if you start counting them up, go ahead, let's count together. One, two, okay, stop. My point is, if you're honest, you've had, some of you've had more than you, your fair share. And so you, you know, you got the, you got the money, okay? You're feeling good about yourself. And so now you're just kind of shopping around. So you just... Shopping all the time. Hey, who? Who's that? Hey, what's your name, boy? <laughs> Come here, girl. <laughs> if you're not careful, you get to romancing everybody. You want everybody. <laughs> they go, I want that one. I want this one. And now he's, so he's got many wives. And his concubine, who lived in Shisham, also bore him a son, whom he named Abimelech. Now, you just freeze that because in our study, we're not going to go through it. But Abimelech was the biggest challenge to the descendants of Gideon because he's going to kill all of them. He's going to kill all of them. One's going to escape. This guy who's the son of the concubine, you can read it on your own, chapter 8, chapter 9, 10, he kills all of them in one day, kills them on one rock. He has them all executed so he can get, become the leader. Listen to what it says. So Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father, Joash, in Orphra of, uh, of the Abenzerite. I can get it out on a good day. So no sooner had Gideon died that the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They went right back to worshiping Baal. They set up Baal Bereth as their god. And they were trying to combine, you know, they got... Baal and they're trying to combine covenant. They're trying to get this. They're trying to they're trying to blend God and, and, the, and the covenant they have with God. And it's just not working. And they did not remember the Lord, their God, who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. They forgot what happened to them. And it said they also failed to show any loyalty to the family of, of Drubabel or Gideon in spite of all the good things he had done for them. Now, here's the lesson in all this. Once he died, it fell apart. But notice what he did after he won. Once he got advantage, if you study the rest, and, and we're not going to dive into that and go through his whole family life story because it's just too long and too much. But I just wanted to just point out something simple to you. Just because you have advantage, if you're not careful, doesn't mean you're going to always have it or your children are going to have it. There are a lot of people who are wealthy and doing well, but they're raising poor kids. Their kids are going to be homeless. They are doing well. This, this, this slide into uh, um, despair, especially when you read the next chapters and you read about how Abimelech uh, killed all the sons and how it was it, it, in one day on one stone. He just had them all killed. One, one, then the next one. And they just, this key just killed all of them so he could get, become the man in charge. Oh, how does that happen? Here's why. Because when you got wealth, while you were busy going to church, when your religious pride, you didn't pay attention to your family. And before you know it, everything around you fell apart, even after 40 years of success. And you know what that says? We need to review how we define success. 
I'm in this season where I'm thinking about stuff differently. I really am. I, I don't know that I agree with what we preachers have become. I don't know that I give us a good grade. I don't think that we've taken advantage of the advantage, if I can use that term. I don't, I don't think that we've, we've done well the temptations we have fallen into. And, and in Gideon's life, you could see that once he had conquered the big problems, then his life slid off into other directions. And his kids slid off further than he did. And before you know it, it was awful and tragic. I think this season has revealed a lot about us. And I think it's made me look deep in my heart and say, Temple, oh man, where are you? Where are you really at? And, and what's happening around you? And what's happening to you? That's not my prayer. You know, you know what my goal is? I want to I build a better Ricky. That's my goal. Not a better Pastor Rick, a better Ricky. That's my name, Ricky Ricardo Temple. That's my name. I want to be a better guy. Healthier, wiser, stronger. I don't want it to just disappear when I stop leading. I don't want my kids to turn into something that I never imagined. I don't want to. I want to stop right now while I, while I can and look at my life and get really honest. I have an advantage. I need to take advantage of the season. Some of you are in a moment right now. You're healthy. You have opportunity. You have a chance to stop. You can go back and fix your relationship with your family. You can, you can stop this right now. You can stop drinking. You can stop drugging. You can fix your life right now, today. You got an advantage, man. You got a moment right here. Gideon had a moment in time. He had 40 years after, after this event when, you know, the Midianites. He had 40 years, man. 40 years to get it right. 40 years to talk to his family. 40 years to get his 70 sons right. 40 years. What did he do in those 40 years? He, he fathered 70 kids. That's more than one kid a year. Some year he had two kids. That means he had somebody pregnant, two, 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 three women pregnant at a time. He was busy romancing. What are you busy doing? So you might say, well, wait a minute. How did that happen? Easy. When you get money and you get, get a little position and you get yourself, you know, okay, you're there now. And if you're not careful, you lose yourself. And you start, you know, creating your own monuments and your own, he, he built the effort, you know, and he built that little thing. And then you start ignoring stuff like he did when he saw they were worshiping the, the garment. He didn't take it away. He just ignored it. What are you ignoring? What are you looking over? What are you not paying attention to? You know what it's time for you to do? Reposition yourself. It's time for you to do that, to reposition yourself. And I want to show you how to do that. And that's why I want you to come back next week. I want to show you how to reposition yourself. Next time I'm going to talk about that. Repositioning your life. Taking charge of your life. Getting, getting a handle on your life. I, I borrowed the title from a book by T.D. Jakes called Repositioning Yourself. You got to go buy it. It's a great devotional book. It's got a hundred devotions in there. You got to read them. It's listed by topic. You can pick and choose which one you want. But I love the topic. I love the idea. I love the concept. I'm going to teach a sermon, not on the book. I'm going to teach the sermon and allow you to read the book as a, as a side read. You'll enjoy that. But I want to share some principles for me, for you, about how you reposition yourself. So I want you to read ahead of me in the book of Joshua. Start there, chapter one. We're going to start next week, next time we're together. And I'm going to talk to you about how you reposition yourself. There are three things you need to focus on. Three things that can help you do that. 
And three things you've got to face. And I'm going to talk about them next week. And I want to start this series and I want you to hear me. You cannot just let it happen to you. We cannot allow ourselves to get lost in this season. We cannot be afraid or intimidated. We must be bold. We must be strong. But we must be honest. And we must say to ourselves, okay, okay, it's time. I have time. That's my advantage. I have time right now. I'm healthy. I heard you, Pastor Rick. Let's take advantage of this season. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray for those who've heard this message today. May this be a day when they say, I, I get it. It's time to end the fighting. It's time to end the strife. It's time for us to stop worrying about things. It's time for us to get our money right. It's time for us to get our health right. It's time for us to change our direction. It's time for us. This is the season. And we're going to reposition ourselves so we can have a better life and a better future. And so I thank you today. And I pray for those who would hear this message and say, you know, Pastor, my spiritual life is what needs to be repositioned. I've not been serving God. And it's time for me to make that change. If you're here and you want that to happen, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you today. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Some of you know you need this prayer. Father, I come to you today. I bring my heart to you. I bring my life to you. And I ask you to help me reposition myself. Right in alignment with you. That's what I want to be. I want to be right in alignment with you. I want you in my life. And I thank you for Christ who died on the cross to give me that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you were inspired today to consider how wealth can affect you, how pride can affect you, and how romance can. All three can band together to create something in your life that you don't want. It's really easy to have an advantage sometimes. You work hard, you get there, you plow to get that education, you plow to get that job promotion. And when you get there, if you're not careful, you, you settle into pride and you settle into this wealthy place of opportunity and you get lost in sometimes romantic relationships you should have never been in. It's an amazing story about a guy who lost his way. And what's really sad is it leaked down to his kids. And for some of you, the reason you should consider changing today is because you don't want that to leak to your kids, to leak to your family, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. You can stop the train right now. Who should have stopped the train in your family years ago? Was it your grandfather, your great-grandfather? Who was the one that should have said, maybe your daddy, hey, this is not good. Maybe it's your mother. I don't know who it is. But maybe you can think about what you're going to leave for your descendants. Let's pray together. Father, let this be a moment of, of reflection and thought and prayer. And may this be a moment of change for a lot of us. We open our hearts to you today. And thank you for the opportunity to share with those who've heard this message. May it inspire them to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me. It's been a joy to have you in our life right here on demand where you get the word of God when you want to at your own time. Enjoy your day. Be blessed. And remember, don't let your advantage creep into a disadvantage in your life. See you next time. I got more to talk about down the road. See you then. Bye-bye.